0: Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Commerce Lab, the place of everything related to Amazon, FBA, private label, and e commerce. My name is Vincenzo Toscano, and I'm the founder and CEO of Ecomsy. Today, we have another special guest. His name is Danny Carson, and he's the CEO of Kenji ROI, which is actually a one stop solution for agency related to Amazon brands. Today's topic is actually going to be around agency growth and location independence, which I think is a very good topic and the number one choice because people want to jump into the e commerce space and have a business there. Now, without any further delay, let me introduce you, Danny. How are you doing today? Thank you for coming.
2: Doing well. It's awesome we can have this conversation across the other side of the world. London to yeah. highly there. I was just over <laughs> there in London, but it took me 25 hours or something to fly out there with a couple layovers. So it's, uh, it's yeah. not easy. So this, uh, this call makes it a lot easier.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I think uh, for sure, uh, once we met here in London in the White Level Show, I thought to myself, I need to bring you on because I know you have great experience around growing agencies. I mean, your agency is one of the biggest in the space. You also have one of uh, the biggest knowledge in Amazon related. So I think it's going to be very good to touch all these topics and also to support those people that are in the agency space like myself to understand um, how to grow the agency, how to also not be depending on a location and then go from there. But of course, before we jump into that topic today, I want to always give the opportunity to my guests to learn about about you, how you got started into Amazon, how you came to the idea of making an agency, and now, yeah, all that all the history behind that for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a little bit about um, a little bit about my current agency, Kenji ROI. We're um, about twenty five full time employees here. I currently live in Bali, Indonesia, been living in Asia for the past three years, originally from Canada, which is a, a great country, but uh, I just really enjoy the freedom of being in Asia. And uh, there's a little bit less laws and regulations, you could say here. So yeah, <laughs> um, I like <laughs> right you know, riding, riding fast motorcycles and you know doing things <laughs> that maybe you, know, you get in trouble from the police for in Canada, like you sure. get uh, downhill <laughs> skateboarding tickets and stuff like that in Canada. Um, so Asia is good. But I really started this agency, I guess it would have been in 2016. So I've been doing this for about six years now, just really as a as a one person show, I was an Amazon seller at the time. And, uh, you know, any Amazon seller knows that when you're starting selling on Amazon, you're not really going to be paying yourself very much for the first six months or a year. You're probably making a lot of investment in inventory and then reinvesting the money that you're making, probably not paying yourself. So that was my situation. And on the side to make some income, I was just writing Amazon listings and doing the keyword research and stuff like that yeah. because a bunch of my friends were were selling on Amazon. So that was making a, a decent side income, but nothing really big. And then I had my Amazon account suspended. And it was wow. like that for, for about three months in a row. It took three months to get that sorted out. Yeah. I had to pay a lawyer and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And during that period, I would just I just kind of had to reconsider my my situation so i had zero income for three months coming in and had just made some very big you know five figure payments to a bunch of different suppliers and, and things yeah. like that i had i had negative negative uh net worth at the time so <laughs> i started to put yeah. more of the attention into the agency just out of necessity to pay the bills and also because i was a little bit more risk averse after this uh, this big event that just happened so um At the time, I think I had one virtual assistant that was just helping me out with the Amazon business in general. And so they just kind of shifted to helping me out with the agency. And it really just grew from there. Like I I slowly added, I was doing all the copywriting in the beginning. And then we started to add photography. I just found a photography contractor in Vancouver where I was living at the time be like, Hey, if I, if I sell some uh, Amazon photography contracts, can you fulfill them? And then so we just did it on a contractor basis and it really grew organically, you know, over over the six years we have expanded. We now have like a a full graphics team of like like six or seven graphic designers. We have a bunch of photographers, videographers, um, a a lot of a lot of people working on a whole bunch of different things. And it just it was very incremental. There was never a point where I had to get investors or throw down a bunch of my own money to make it happen. It just was very organic
1: yeah for sure i mean thank you for sharing all that story i think is is similar to mine i think when it, usually people that is behind an agency we always start as amazon sellers and then when we see sometimes the risk involved with that and we start to diversify to also have some people or people reaching out to us then we discover the agency work um for example in my case i I fell in love with the model i mean just the fact that i can use the knowledge to help other brands that are already succeeding but bring it to the next level i think for sure we can find some fulfillment on that so um, now let's jump into of course the more technical side of the agency in terms of uh, starting it right so i think my first question of the day regarding that topic would be what do you think based on the experience that And of course, all the journey that you went through to opening your agency. What is the main challenge you encounter when uh, starting all this uh, company on your own?
2: Yeah, I I think by far the biggest one, and I'm just being really broad here. We can dive into you wherever you want to dive into. But broadly speaking, I was inexperienced in business. And what I mean by that is things Mm -hmm. like financial statements, managing cash flow, and mm. building business systems, standard operating procedures and, and systematizing things, hiring people, training people, yeah. <laughs> and then not only hiring and training, but actually um, like the bigger that we've gotten, we have to start doing things like performance reviews mm. and or otherwise there's someone working for two years and they're actually a bad employee and you just <laughs> don't even know about it. Right. Just all of these paying. things yeah. in business that maybe if you went to business school or if you grew up in the corporate culture just working 10 years in corporate culture you understand all these business things i didn't have any of that i was a carpenter for six years before i started um in online business so that was that was certainly the hardest thing for me was just learning the hard way why all of these necessary business systems are super super important especially the cash flow ones right like i was bank balance accounting uh, for the first several years of my business, so it was like, how much money's in the bank? All right, that's my budget for the month. Yeah, <laughs> which is a terrible yeah. way to do it, obviously,
1: for sure. I mean, yeah, I think it, it's very challenging. I think it, most people think that I'm doing an agency, just as as you mentioned, like doing the the listings, the PPC, and all that. But the reality is that it's an actual business, just as any other business. And if you don't get the cash flow, which I have encountered those issues. encounter yourself thinking that all the money you got in the bag can be used to hire more people or to do a new website and at the end of the year you encounter yourself making no profits (laughs) so i think that's definitely a key to to manage everything that has to be the cash flow now um i think you touch a very important topic which is the people right Uh, i think and then agency people is number one priority if you don't have the right people you can have a team that you've been working for two, three years, and if you don't for sure assess the performance, you may end up providing a bad service, which is gonna decrease your ret- retention rate, which I think on an agency's top one priority. So when it comes to building your team and hiring people for your agency, do you have any specific type of method or any specific type of maybe resource in terms of a, a place where you go to find these people to make sure you can always find the best people for your agency?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Great point. So building an agency, really, your value and your leverage is people.
1: Yeah. in
2: sure. e-commerce is your product, right? Or yeah. if you're selling courses, then it's totally different, right? But an agency it's all about scaling people and good people. Mm-hmm. So one one lesson I learned the hard way, it took me maybe a few years to figure this out, is that it is much better to spend the amount of time, whatever time necessary to find the right person than it is to just say good enough and just take the best candidate out of whatever candidates that you have so quite often it'll take two months or longer to Mm. actually do interviews and go through candidates and find the right person to do it and that takes going through a lot of different people that means a lot of different phone screens a lot of different job interviews like it's a pretty intensive process it's not easy at all but definitely do not fall into the trap of i'm tired of looking at resumes I'll just take this person because they're the the best person to supply so far. Absolutely a huge mistake because if you think about it, if you hire that person and then you're realistically, you're going to have to train them for at least a month before they're really good enough for their job where they can do it self-sufficiently. That's if they're good, they'll be good after a month. And let's say that it takes another month after that to realize that they're just not a good fit. You just wasted two months of them Potentially creating even worse problems than if you didn't have anybody doing that job at all in the first place, right? It can be a huge mess. So, the way that we always keep good candidates is our agency is built around certain positions that we pretty much always need to fill, right? We have lots of graphic designers, we have lots of photographers, we have uh, videographers, and stuff like that. We just always keep job postings up for those positions, even if we're not currently hiring for that. So, we're gathering applicants for that. And then they all get sent into a Google spreadsheet. And they're all screened. So we don't even reach out to the people who really don't meet our criteria. So they're all kind of screened. And then we'll Mm -hmm. send them through a phone screen. If they meet our criteria, then someone will get on the phone with them and just ask them some more basic questions. Just make sure Mm -hmm. that, you know, everything lines up, they seem relatively sharp. And then there'll be a second interview. And then everyone who actually gets on the second interview, we're asking kind of different questions, really trying to get a feel for are they, are they actually sharp? Um, the things that you can't tell from someone's job application, right? And then yeah. after that, they finally get on an interview with me. And then that's kind of the, the final stage. So the that's boss. a lot of work, right? <laughs> yeah. So imagine doing that over the course yeah. of two months with hundreds I... or sometimes more than a thousand candidates for a position, yeah. right? It's yeah. uh, it's pretty intense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think for sure is, I mean, I feel you. I have been there and actually... That makes me jump straight away into my next question, which is when you are thinking so much about growing your agency, that you need to hire more people, you need to build your processes, how you keep that from interfering into the performance of your agency in terms of providing the best service to your clients? Because of course, if you start diversifying your time to hire more people or to make training videos for your team or different processes, that's gonna take time from you to grow as as an agency at more at the high level, right? So what are usually your advice in there in terms of to support you through this journey? Maybe you hire somebody to help you with that or what do you usually implement in this case?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So there's always different stages of agency growth. So obviously in the beginning for most people, that's going to be you are kind of the one-man show. You're probably doing the work. You're probably finding the clients. You're closing the clients. You're doing the marketing. Yeah. You're doing the you know financials. You're doing everything, right? Yeah but it doesn't take long before that's completely impossible to do everything. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So the traditional way to do it and probably the smartest way to do it is the first thing that you should not be doing as the business owner or the agency founder is the client fulfillment work. That is, I mean, it it depends on what your agency is, though, right? If your agency is you're a rocket scientist consultant, you're probably (laughs) not going to be able to do that, right? But uh, for most people, (laughs) Um, yeah. It's much easier to hire out the actual fulfillment for two reasons. One, it's the repeatable thing that you can systematize, and you can get someone doing the same thing every day, showing up and doing it. Right? That's not okay. where your time is the most valuable. Your time yeah. as a business owner is most valuable spent actually creating the systems, hiring people, and, and like so many other things. Right. Um, the second reason for that is that it's um. It's really important that you as the business owner are the one who is like in the beginning you should be focused on the actual business growth the sales and the marketing those kind of things i've seen a lot of newer agency owners hire out the marketing or the sales way too soon and -hmm. then literally the entire life of their business is now reliant on this one upward contractor or person that they hired and if they're not doing a good job then they and the rest of the team that they hired is not going to eat yeah, <laughs> which is a terrible true. situation to put yourself in, right? Maybe you're going to get lucky and get a killer salesperson. But uh, I mean, you should be putting your own team's <laughs> salaries on your own skills and knowledge, right? Because you as a business yeah. owner are probably going to be the best salesperson um, instead of some person that you hire, right? Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's a super important thing. Like hiring out the actual fulfillment should be the first thing. And then it's going to change at different stages. So once you're hiring out the fulfillment team, you have different people doing the actual work, you're probably focusing on sales and marketing more, then yeah. there's going to reach a point where one, you, there's too much sales and marketing for you to all handle yourself. And then you also mm-hmm. have to work on hiring business systems and other things like that. Then at a, at a point, you're probably going to need an operations manager, mm-hmm. maybe at like minimum 20,000 up to like 50,000 a month, you should consider hiring an operations manager to make sure your team is operate in the business correctly. Yes. Right. right. So you're not just yeah. constantly managing everything. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge piece there. That's um, great. But pro- probably you want to hire the operations manager before letting go of the sales and marketing. The next yeah. step is probably letting go of the sales and marketing and and scaling up uh, at least some junior sales reps. uh okay. People who, who can handle the easier stuff. Um, yeah. Maybe some marketing depending on what you're doing. But it's always got to go in stages like that. It's never yeah. a situation where you can do everything in your entire business yeah and you have to be strategic about which hires you make at which point in your business because like the example before you you let go of the sales and marketing too soon then you're just really putting all your chips on the one sales guy that you that you hired or something
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i think that that's that's a good point you're touching there which is the sales team i think If you don't have, I mean, even at the beginning where you're on a one-man show, if you're not a good salesperson, you don't have good strategies to grow your agency in terms of finding clients, I think that's for sure a killer because you can have the best services in the world, but if you don't know how to put your agency out there, your face out there and your experience out there, I mean, there is no way you're going to be able to scale the agency, which actually is going to now make me jump to this uh, next section within the agency grow strategy, which is... How do you advise new agencies starting in the space to find clients and leads? Because the reality is that when you're getting started, nobody knows who you are. Eh, you have eh, no connections, eh, so it's very difficult to, of course, just send, call, emails, or try to call random Amazon sellers <laughs> and see if they want to give you their money, right? So, what the usual advice uh, for do- those agencies that are right now at that stage?
2: Okay, so I kind of got a two-part answer to this. The first part is I'll tell you what I did, um, Mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily relevant to today's landscape. So what I did was mostly in Facebook groups, and then also I had uh, a decent amount of friends who were Amazon sellers, some of them from in-person Amazon meetups, some of them from Facebook groups and like online masterminds and stuff, but people I'd interacted with online. But Mm -hmm. at the time, this was 60 years ago or so in 2016, it was a fairly effective strategy to be posting valuable content in other people's Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. So like other Amazon seller, Facebook groups, and you just be valuable there sometimes make valuable posts, just helping people out and things like that. And then over time, I would build up enough rapport with the, the group owner. Maybe I'd invite them to be in my podcast or something like that and build a good connection with them. And then we chat about, Hey, like, what if I was like the recommended provider service provider for your group? And maybe we'd work yeah. out an affiliate commission or something. But anyways, like we managed to get we managed to get our website linked in the like pinned posts of a number of Facebook groups. And that was mm. really what started the entire thing.
1: Mm. That's good. And
2: that worked great at the time. But I say that with a caveat, because in 2022, <laughs> that strategy has been beaten to absolute death. And yes, it still <laughs> works. Like some people will totally make it work. But yeah. it's. um. I mean, most people, most Facebook group owners are going to tell you to screw off if you're if you're trying those same tactics, like a lot of groups, even if you make your own post, that seems like it's a post like that to yeah. to help people out. They'll just kick you out of the group. Right. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. But so the equivalent of that today, um, I, I will say a more broad thing because these marketing strategies always change. You shouldn't just focus on you know posting in Facebook groups and stuff like that. The overall arching strategy of that was organic, um, how do I put this? Organic, repeatable traffic, okay. right? So think of that Facebook group pinned post with a link to our website in that. It's organic, yeah. meaning we didn't have to pay advertisement for it to be there. And yeah. it is, it's evergreen, right? It stays yes. there. So we don't for have sure. to keep doing all this stuff every day to make sure that post, that uh, link is still there. It's just there. Months yeah. later, it's still there. A year later, it's still there. Yeah. Right. So when you're starting out, it's important to focus on the organic stuff because you're still figuring stuff out. You spend money on ads all the time that may or may not work. That's how you get yourself in trouble and max out some credit cards because you still haven't even <laughs> figured out your business yet. Right. They, but do yeah. ads once everything's figured out and you know that you can convert a customer properly. Yeah. Um, so that's always going to change. I'll kind of just leave it at that because the organic strategies are constantly changing. Um, the only thing i might say is seo has been maybe the one real constant that for the past 10 or 15 years really has not gone anywhere google seo is uh meets all the criteria that i just said Um, it's just really hard to get going it just takes time to actually
1: get momentum for sure yeah i mean those are very good tips i think nowadays especially in the agency space and as you mentioned amazon if you try to just spam post and um, do advertisement. I don't think it's working anymore. I think it's more about being, as you mentioned, building an organic audience, which is gonna take time. It's not easy money. It's not easy traffic. But I think if you do it over a certain period of time and you build a reputation, for sure, as you mentioned, people are just gonna come to you, and you don't even need to look for them. Which is, I don't know, the the angle right for any agency. Now, yeah, well, um, and
2: just to just to illustrate that point a little bit more. I'll share with you guys one of my friends um, who has been very successful in multiple businesses. He at one point built an entire team of, I think, about 150 sales reps off of uh, (laughs) mostly Instagram DMs, like Instagram and Facebook DMs, and then selling products to people. So he he was renting out two entire floors of an office building of all these (laughs) sales reps to go DM people and sell them stuff. And that was working amazingly for a year, maybe about a year and a half. And then just it just dropped off a cliff, it just became super ineffective because everybody started doing it. And I'm sure everyone who uses Instagram now has, you know, a couple spam DMs in their in their DMs. People uh, don't don't even read them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so it just stops working. It stops working. And then Instagram starts cracking down on people who are randomly DMing people. They're making filters and all this stuff. So that's a great example of it's an organic strategy. It's great, but don't expect that to to be the strategy that's going to work five years later because things online change very quickly and what's working is going to be copied um, (laughs) for (laughs) a matter of weeks or months later, not not five years later.
1: Yeah, somebody's going to make a course, sell it for $10,000 and then that's it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Great. So let's say, okay, we figure out how to find clients, leads, everything is going great. But then I see the number... uh, most important thing in an agency business, which is retention. So you find clients, you bring them aboard, but within two, three months, they leave, they leave, they leave. You cannot keep them. I know most of the time, of course, has to do with performance, but at the same time, sometimes it's also the experience you give to the client, right? The deliveries, the expectation, things like that. So, do you have maybe some tips around what would your advice to an agency in terms of? Um, retention strategies to ensure you, you don't lose those clients just after two, three months because the reality is that if you lose all your clients so soon it's difficult to scale an agency long term. So, what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, the reality is is that if you're not getting the results that the client's paid for then they're mm-hmm. not going to stick with you long term, right? They might stick around a few months later, but I mean, results are results are obviously important but interestingly, they're not The most important thing I would argue that even more important than that is the client relationship, the kind of rapport and the trust that you have with that client, because uh, like most clients can understand, like things are not always going to go right. There's going to be things that go wrong um, here and there, but as long as you have a good relationship with them, you are if things things are not going the way that they planned, that you are communicating that to them, you're being understanding, you're Mm -hmm. coming up with solutions and you're clearly on top of it and communicative, then you can get around those situations that are, you know, maybe it's a one or two bad months. You can get around those situations as long as there's good communication and a good path to um, getting back to the results. But even if you have really good results, like your results are killing it, but you're not killing it on the communication game and the client rapport game and all of those things, then some of those clients will just cancel
1: because
2: Like to them, they maybe they don't understand the results, right? They're hiring an agency. They clearly don't understand all the intricacies of what yeah. you're doing, or else they might be doing it themselves <laughs> or hiring a team internally yeah, to do sure. it themselves, right? Yeah. So, a lot of the value that you're providing to the clients is just reassuring them consistently, like showing them, like, hey, this is what the value that we're doing for you, or if. If it's not going properly, then, hey, this is what's not going properly, like being transparent about it, communicating what your plan is and what you're going to do and being honest and updating like that is just as important, if not more important than actual results that you give to the clients. Mm.
1: Yes, yes, I I think for sure that's that's the number one thing I, I always mention when people ask is that maybe your results are not perfect but if you as you mentioned are resourceful that you find solution let's try this other strategy you meet with the client you send a more things that they're expected to receive on a monthly basis for sure they're going to understand that this is a business and thing can go up and down but as, as long as you're always there with them they they might understand and stick with you for longer right after two three months having a poor communication for sure they're going to leave you. <laughs>
2: yeah well and a lot of that starts in the sales process so You can build a lot of that trust and rapport when you're on a sales call with a client. If you're gonna sell them a monthly retainer or or something like that, just be open and honest with setting the expectations. You don't want to sell them at any cost and then just have them be disappointed. Because if their expectations are not met, bottom line, they're gonna be dissatisfied, right? Mm -hmm. So it's better to set realistic expectations, even if they're less likely to make the sale, right? Because Then it's not then it's not real. You're just getting you're getting them to make the sale by over promising, and then you're yeah. probably going to under deliver, right? Yeah. Um, and it also builds trust, uh, yeah. especially entrepreneurs. If your clients are business owners and and people in business, they're used to a lot of bullshit, right? There's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of BS artists out there who are um, over promising and under delivering, so they they're kind of used to that, right? It's refreshing yeah. to be truthful and say something along the lines of. Yeah. And to be honest, like, you know, I can't promise that you're going to, you know, get like down to 50% of your ad spend or whatever it is that you're looking for. Like, realistically, we're probably going to be able to get somewhere around here and it's going to take us about two months. And like, and in fringe cases, if you can't, if you're a little bit unsure that you can get them the result, just be honest with that. Yeah. Right. And if they choose not to go with you, then it's probably better that they weren't a client of yours because then they're just going to be unsatisfied. You're going to have to deal with them later and it's going to be a big headache. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're honest with it, you're pushing away the people that you should be pushing away and you're gaining more trust and credibility with yeah. the, the clients that are going to go with you anyways.
1: Yes. Yeah, we have found that the same way. You are transparent, even if you cannot promise the results, but you explain the reality, why you can't promise and the complexity of the project. Most of the time, they might understand you if they're entrepreneurs and still give you a shot. So that's for sure a good thing. Um, now, let's start maybe just shifting the topic uh, towards the location independence uh, part of the of today's uh, episode because I know it's a big thing related to agency and also e-commerce in general. The reality is that most people want to do e-commerce and agency because it gives you the freedom to move around and do whatever you want with your location. And I know that's a big thing for you as well. So I wanted to start touching on that in terms of why... For you, it's so important to have a location independence and how you have seen that benefiting you as an entrepreneur in the long term.
2: Yeah, location independence for me, um, I guess it started with just traveling in general. So when I was younger, in my early 20s, my life was really dedicated to downhill skateboard racing. That was my big thing. So like racing, longboards. Down the roads, usually against four <laughs> to six other riders at the same time at speeds of up to 115 kilometers an hour or so. And um, that was really fun. And I got to explore a lot of different countries. I think we went to about 16 different countries through my, my racing career. And I just saw so many different places and different ways of living. And then when I would come back to, I was working as a carpenter in Vancouver at the time, it was just became very monotonous, right? As a carpenter, yes. you're building a house for. You know three up to you know six months or a year or longer and you're showing up to the same place every single day doing just about the same thing most days right and there's very little variability in what you're doing there's not really room for creativity or anything like that and it just wears down on you after a while and especially like myself being a, a person in my early 20s at the time i just didn't see any examples of people in my line of work that i wanted to emulate it, it just mm. seemed depressing to me. Like most of them were, were, were miserable older guys in their in their forties. That yeah. just you could tell that they were beat down from this career that they've been doing. So I, I knew I didn't want to do that. And then it was Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week book that kind of hit me over the top of the head. With um, mm. to me, it at the time was completely new opportunity of creating an online business. That was a completely yeah. novel idea for me. And um, that just kind of. I kind of became obsessed with that and started learning all about that because up until that point, I just really didn't see that as an opportunity. Like as yeah. like earlier when I was even younger, I, I wanted to become a musician. Um, mm-hmm. I was a drummer and I was actually a decent <laughs> drummer, but that was kind of the only alternative <laughs> that I thought of before that or, or be a longboard racer. Um, yeah. and so I, I just really knew that I would never fit into just your regular corporate job or your career that you retire from when you're 55 years old, that just never excited me. So the whole idea of an online business to me was just more freedom in general. Location independence is a part of that. Like I can go do my work from wherever I want, which is, which is awesome. Like um, I've been living in different places in Asia for over the last three years. Yeah. And, um, you know travel to some other countries and just bring my work with me that freedom is amazing uh, but then also the the um it, it's more it's more freedom in so many other ways too mm-hmm. like owning your own business you have a lot of freedom to design your business in a way that's going to align mm-hmm. with the way that you want to live your life
1: For sure. so like yeah.
2: currently i'm currently what i'm doing is different from the past couple of years because the past couple of years i was very focused on growth I was like i just want to grow this bigger and bigger and just like expand the team and expand the revenue and all that kind of stuff. And I've shifted gears now over the past six months or so. i am being like, okay, like I don't want to grow this thing bigger. I'd rather systematize and make things smoother and a little bit less chaotic chaotic and just enjoy more. (laughs) Right. You don't have that freedom as a carpenter or working a desk job at, at some corporate, uh, some corporate man or something like that. (laughs) And that was really attractive to that. Right. And like yeah. freedom is probably my highest value. So the, the online business was really the thing that can deliver that freedom in, in so many different ways.
1: Yes. Yeah. Totally I, I think the the people that also sometimes uh, question themselves with having so much freedom and location uh, in terms of freedom, in terms of location as well is that, eh, of course, this can be beneficial in terms of you adapting your life and everything around that. But at the same time, it can actually affect you negatively, right? Because if you start having so much free time in terms of things eh, of your own time and you start moving around, maybe you get distracted by parties or beach or events, festivals, so many things you can do when traveling, I think can actually also be negative for scaling your business. So my question now is, how you, you ensure that having this freedom in terms of location and time doesn't affect your performance in terms of your business?
2: Yeah, so it, there's like kind of a misconception, I think, of, of people who do what I do that uh, it, it's like the digital nomad, I think, is the term for it. Right. People think of a digital yeah. nomad and they think of someone who's uh, every month or every couple of months are going to a new country and then they're always <laughs> yeah. doing all this traveling and experiencing and stuff. And there's lots of people who do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like lots of people in Bali at the co-working spaces are, are doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But um, like personally, I've been more, it probably considered me more of an expat. I spent mm. 90, 90, 95% of my time in the last three years have been in Indonesia in that's in great. one place. And so I have uh, you know friends that I've known for the past three years. I like mm-hmm. know all the good gyms, the coffee shops, the good co-working spaces and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And That to me is really important because if if I'm constantly switching cities, it's very difficult to get in any kind of groove and actually be productive. Like if I go to Singapore, for example, for a week, it'll take me at least a couple days to really get into the groove of like, okay, Mm -hmm. so I checked into my hotel and now like. Now we got to figure out, okay, I'm going to try out this workspace. Oh, that's actually not that good, but I'll try to work here anyways and like check out this gym and then like spend, you got to, it takes quite a bit of effort to get into that. And then you don't really know as many people there and stuff. So I think, I think the main benefit really is just being able to choose where you're going to live. Right. And if you want to travel and everything, you know, that's possible and do that. But like personally, I prefer to just kind of settle into a place, have some friends there know the good things to do and 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 actually live there right but if i if i was still a carpenter then i'm i'm only able to do that in canada that's the one place i could maybe move (laughs) to the other side of canada but if we're being honest here vancouver is the only place in canada i really care to live the rest of canada is not as good as vancouver so yes um it's the freedom
1: great yeah i think yeah i think that's amazing i think of course, with also in terms of having the freedom with location, we also get a lot of the questions, at least on my side. Sometimes people ask me uh, what location you usually advise for people that want to do an e-commerce and agency or in terms of which which country gives you the most flexibility or, or the most support uh, or, the, or the biggest community. And, and that actually brings me to this other question I have for you, which is I know you have been traveling around and I'm pretty sure you have already experienced in terms of different communities and different countries, and you have discovered maybe what is the most efficient in in terms of the e-commerce space. So um, this is, do you have any advice in terms of which are the countries that maybe you can think right now that you would advise for somebody that wants to start a novel life in terms of the e-commerce space?
2: Yeah, so I would only look at it in terms of like e-commerce if you were just going to obsess yourself with work all day and just only do that, if, if you want to focus on e-commerce, really any big city in the entire world is going to have an e-commerce community and that, and that's going to be pretty good. Right. Yes. If you're looking as far as like um, expat communities, Bali's got a pretty good one. Uh, Chiang yes. Mai is probably a little bit bigger as far as like the e-commerce and Amazon people. But okay. um, I would actually look at it from a little bit different of a perspective. It's like what, what kind of life do I want to live there? Because you can go live anywhere in the world and just work in a in a cubicle at a co working space or something like <laughs> that, and work twelve hours a day, yeah. right? It's, your yeah. life is not going to be that much different. That's correct. Um, and as an expat in pretty much any country in the world, unless you unless your country has some special agreement, uh, like mm-hmm. between like the UK and Canada has some kind of special agreement, you're pretty much as an expat going to have to deal with expat problems. Like you're not going to be able to get. You know local health insurance, you're not going to be able to um, have a lot of the same rights. Like in some countries you can't own land as a foreigner, yeah. in some countries you can, right? So it's gonna be it's gonna be different pluses and minuses in every country that you go to. Thailand and and um and Indonesia are kind of similar, but they have um, different pluses and minuses and rights that you have as an expat. Um, yeah. All fairly easy to deal with. But I think you should really look at it as like Okay, so all these places have a decent e-commerce community. Like, what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? Do I want to yeah. maybe work eight hours and then I want to do surfing, right? Yeah. Surfing, then you should you should go live in Bali, right? Or if you're in Thailand, then probably Chiang Mai. Like, I just want to work in co-working spaces and network with a bunch of cool entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Chiang Mai is probably a little bit better for that. So I, I think you got to... Because what's the point of traveling to another country if you're going to just... Stay yeah, in the office and work 12 hours a day, right? It doesn't yeah, make any sense. Yeah, stay home.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. I mean, I see people that think that moving around is the key, but so many people do just that. They go to the other part of the world and they just stay in the room and it's like, why did you go there? <laughs> the point of traveling is connecting. Yeah, well, no, I'll bring up
2: the point too yeah. that it's like, it's not like traveling. If some of you listening have done a bunch of traveling before, you probably did it when you're on vacation. And you probably yeah. weren't working, right? Yeah. So you have free time. You wake up in the morning. You're like, what are we going to do today? All yeah. right, <laughs> let's go surfing. Let's do this. Let's do this. And it was yeah. probably a great grand old time. And that's what you have in your head when you're thinking yeah. you're going to travel and work in this other country. Yes. Um, that's just not the case, right? You have, a, you have a business to build or you have a job to do, right? You're going to be working probably uh, eight hours a day or up to 12 hours a day, whatever you're going to be doing. And then so... You really have to build your life around that, right? It's not like you're just going to be showing up to a place, checking into a coffee shop for for eight hours, and then going off and like somehow finding all this fun stuff to do. Yeah. Like it's probably not going to happen like that. You should probably settle into a place where you can be yes. productive and still have a still have a good life and do all the things that
1: you need to do. Yes, totally, totally agree with that. Um, now uh, to start concluding today, service I always like to, of course, first make a final question which is do you think out of all the questions I have covered today, there's a question I haven't covered? And if there is any final maybe advice or tip regarding agency growth and location independence that you have for your audience today?
2: Yeah, it's one more thing I'd like to mention about location independence. Um and I wouldn't have talked about this um two years ago. But Mm -hmm. the situation in the world has changed over the past two years as everyone is blatantly aware of is um, I think it's never been more important to be location independent because the governments over the past two years of various countries have proven that your freedom in those countries is not as solidified as everybody thought. That's correct. Right. Especially if you live in a Western country. Now, you know, other countries maybe haven't changed as much, but certainly Western countries. Um, A lot of them have like a charter of rights or, you know, the different amendments in the United States. A lot of those have been pretty, pretty intensely bent or thrown out the window in various situations. You know, not just uh, not just the big virus, but in various situations over the past two years. Right. So I think a lot of smart people are asking themselves, like, do I really trust my entire freedom uh, of what I'm able to do? yeah what I'm allowed to spend my money on, what I'm allowed to say on social media without getting yeah. my bank account frozen um, yes. and if I'm allowed to leave the country or not, yes. And, I mean there's there's all of these freedoms that two years ago we all took for granted that are now not so solid, right? So being location independent, having multiple options for where you can live and are comfortable living around the world and still able to have your income and your job. Um, I think there's really been no more important time to actually do that and no easier time either like since i've lived here in bali for the past three years there's probably at least double the amount of co-working spaces popping up and i know that same trend has been in a lot of other places the internet's always getting more available and faster in all countries around the world it's really never been easier
1: yeah i mean thank you thank you for sharing that i think that's a great advice for sure i think Now we need to be more careful in terms of location, for sure. I mean, everything is happening worldwide is, is, I mean, it's delicate. I mean, things are changing very fast. And I think for sure, if you don't take that into consideration, you might end up in a country that in a few years' time, it can actually also uh, end your business due to uh, things related to that country, right? So I think that's a very good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Now, uh, to end today's episode, uh, of course, I want to give you first... Uh, the thank you for coming. I mean, all the knowledge you have been dropping today is gold. I mean, even some advice you have been giving the agency space is going to help me a lot. So thank you for that. And before uh, we finish, of course, I want to give you the chance to share all your social media channels where people can find you, uh, also your agency, so you can touch a little bit on that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so uh, my personal website, DannyCarlson.co. And then the agency website is Kenji ROI. That's Kenji, K-E-N-J-I-R-O-I.com. Then my personal Instagram is probably the best place or Facebook. They're both the same. It's I am Danny Carlson.
1: That's great. Thank you for coming and definitely see you on the next one, okay? Awesome. It's good to chat with you, man. See ya. Thanks for listening to The E-Commerce Lab by EcomC.
0: Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it,